we take off this morning um, on our jet propulsion here, um, I want to just take one minute here, and I want to pray over all the churches in town, and I'd like you just to come into agreement with me, and let's just pray um, over what the Lord's doing in, you know, sometimes Sunday can be the most divided day of the week, because we all go off to our own places, and I believe the Lord is, he wants us to be united, so this morning, I just want us to just take a moment, and I'm going to have you just pray in agreement with me. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, and Lord, we just, first of all, we thank you, Lord, that we have this opportunity to come into this building and worship you and praise you and give you glory. And Lord, we know all throughout Springville this morning, Lord, there are other churches that are gathering together. There are other congregations, but Lord, they are all a part of the greater church, the church that you talked about, and you said that on this rock, Peter, you would build your church. So Lord, this morning, we speak the names of the churches in our area. Lord, for Pastor Chris at Lighthouse Chapel, Lord, I just ask that the Spirit of God would be with them this morning. Lord, with Pastor Henry at the Baptist Church, Lord, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would speak through him and Lord that you would touch people's lives Lord the church of Christ Lord I pray that the spirit of God would be in that house this morning and just illuminate yourself Lord to these people God I pray that over our Catholic Monsignor Lord who visits with us on a regular basis I pray, Lord, this morning that you would just touch him. Lord, that though their service was last night, Lord, Lord, that you would just continue to, to d- dwell with them, Lord, and just be with them. And Lord, I pray over Pleasant Valley this morning, God, that our hearts would be knit together and united as one. And Lord, for Pastor Mark at the Nazarene Church here in town, Lord, I pray that you would just be with them this morning. God, let that place be a fireplace for your spirit to dwell. And Lord, we thank you for it. Lord, we come and we say this in agreement right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Hey, this morning, I just have a, I want to kind of tie in with last week. Last week's message, if you didn't get a chance to hear it, you can get it on the podcast or you can get it on CD if you ask my wife about it. She can get you that. But it was on faith. Now, I'm not a, it was on faith versus feelings. I'm not a big, let's put it this way. I lack faith, okay? I, I don't have as much faith as I need. Um, this week uh, is a good to give, give you an example. Faith versus feelings. Uh, something came along in, 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 in my situation this week. And the first thing I did was I didn't act like I had faith. I acted like I was emotional. I, I let the emotion of the moment get a hold of me. And I let it just, you know, begin to kind of twist me around. And, and you know what, I think sometimes, and, and what I was thankful for in this case is the Lord didn't let me get out there too far. He, he reined me back in. And, and, and as soon as he did that, I said, Lord, I asked for this very thing that you're doing. I asked for this very thing that you're doing in my life. You know, I've asked the Lord to get me low. And you know what? There are times in our lives where, you know, the faith is up here. And I love faith. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? Before we'll ever see faith, we had to get low before God. And if you see that throughout, throughout the whole Old Testament and the New Testament, look at Moses. Moses, before he, he ever could be the leader that he was supposed to be, see, he thought he was. That's why he struck down that Egyptian and then he buried him. But the Bible says that he went to the backside of the desert and that's where he got low. That's where he really met God. And so this morning, I, as I was wanting to share with you, I want you to know, I don't want you to think, hey, he's some super, super Christian, you know? No, I want you to know this morning that, that you know what, I battle with the same things, the same things that you guys have to battle with, and those emotional feelings that want to get a hold of us. 
But I'm thankful this morning, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, that, that as soon as it came along, I recognized it and I said, okay, Lord, you brought this into my life. I prayed for this. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to walk in. So this morning, I want you to know that some of you this week, this very week, you're going to go into something. Something's going to come along and you're going to go, okay, hold on. All right, I can, I, can, I can go into this emotionally or I can go, okay, I'm going to walk in faith. Now, faith doesn't mean it's some, some hyped up emotional experience. Faith is just saying, you know what? I trust in you, God. I trust that you are able, that you keep me, that you're walking with me, you abide with me. And that's what God says this morning. I want you to know this morning, there is a disconnect between how Jesus told us how to live and how we actually live. This has been my dilemma, what Jesus told us to do and what the church does. Two different things. This is the disconnect that bothers me because we see the New Testament church, you know what, and then when we see what happens today, we just pat people on the back and we say, well, keep coming, keep coming, keep tithing, we need the pews filled. Keep on coming along, this is why, this is why you're here. And that's what we do. Truthfully, that's how we operate. And I want to tell you, if you lived on an, a desert island or if you were on an island in, in, the, in the Pacific and all you had was the word of God, and you came back to America, and you looked at what we do today, I would venture to say that you would say, you guys do what this says? I don't see it. There were two farmers. One, went out and, one of them went out and planted his crops, even though it hadn't rained. The other one, he didn't do anything. He said, well, I don't think it's going to rain, so he just sat back. The other one positioned himself for God. He says, well, what if it rains? What if it would rain? So he planted his crops. He got ready, even though there had been no rain yet. See, faith is us putting ourselves in position. I don't always know what the outcome is. See, it's even like, with the, even like the, the farmer here. I don't know if it's going to rain or not, but I'm going to still plant my seed in the ground. I'm going to get myself ready. And I'm not talking about giving to the church when I say planting my seed. I know that's what we hear on TV. But what I'm talking about is planting ourselves, planting our faith that God has in our lives. See, faith is tangible. Faith is visible, I said last week. And faith is substance. Faith has substance. Faith birthed in the heart of a believer. Many have envisioned a place. Many have heard about it, but have never experienced it. Many of you have had promises, but have never seen them fulfilled. Many of you have glimpsed it, but have never grabbed it. Many of you have spotted it, but you've never sampled it. Many of you have pictured it, but never possessed it. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what the big church's successful programs are. I don't care about the latest fads. I don't care about what they say is how to make a successful ministry. See, I've already been in arguments with them. I said, listen, we're not going to put a sign out on the middle of the street because you know what? I want the Holy Spirit. I am, you, you guys didn't even know it. You guys are, we're, in, we're a test dummy right here. We're a test dummy. Because you know what? Here's the thing. We're not going to do anything to put anything out on the, we're going to say, listen, I want the Holy Spirit to do this work. I want the Holy Spirit to create what he wants to create. I'm not in, I don't want to envision what this world does. See, men of God nowadays, we have gotten, we've taken all these things from what the world does as successful and we've implanted them in the church and we say, this is what you do if you want to be a successful church. I will offer you this, the only thing that will give us everything we desire, everything we need for living in this life is the Holy Spirit living and moving in our lives. 
as you can see from my last week's message. I picked on the charismatics. I, pre- I picked on the traditionalists. I pick on those who are religious. I am an equal opportunity offender. I want you to know that round right now. You hang around long enough in this church, and I will guarantee you, you will be offended. It's going to happen. Glenn says, just let her rip, Greg. See, I want to go where God is at. I want to be where God, and see what God is doing. I want to be in his midst. Faith is this, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I gave you this last week. It is something we can observe. It is visible, observable faith. See, you're saying to me, well, I've never seen that before, Greg. Well, let's look at what it says in Acts chapter 14, verse 9. It says, as Paul, he listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. He saw it. He could, it was observable. See here, this man was lame from birth, but all of a sudden he stood to his feet. Paul understood. He said, oh, I see something. Mark in Mark 2, 5. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. This was, remember, when they tore open the roof to get this man down to Jesus. Visible faith, alive faith. This isn't something secret. It's obvious. It will be obvious of those who have faith and who are in the faith. Faith is rising. Faith will not be stifled, stilled, or stalled. It looks for a way through, over, and around. It is alive, active, and awake. Faith does not quit or give up. Psalms 18, 29 says, with your help, I can advance against a troop and with God, I can scale a wall. See, I don't want to give you a Christianity this morning that is unsustainable, that is not viable and that is not powerful. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 4, 20. He said, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it is a matter of power. See, I want you to understand this morning that this type of faith that I'm talking about, it may be very small. It may be something that you know what we haven't really seen it grow yet but God says listen I want you to plant this in your life in mustard seed faith look at that that's the, that's how small a mustard seed is so let's go and look at what Matthew in Matthew what the, Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 17 verse 19 it says then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked why couldn't we drive him drive the enemy out He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here and there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, every sermon focuses on the little bit of faith that it takes. But Jesus was saying here, listen, he had already told him, he says, your faith is little and it's ineffective. So what did he want him to do? The context of the scripture is is found in Luke chapter 13, verse 18. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? He said, it is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. 
What, what faith can grow into it when we fertilize it, when we work it into our lives, we continue hearing, believing, and receiving the word of God. It becomes real, vibrant, and alive faith. Have you seen an, an apple when it's, when it's just beginning or an orange? See, they may be very small. It may even looks like a tangerine when it just begins. But it's, is it still an orange? Yes, it is. So sometimes our faith, though it may be very small, my faith is very small at times. I look at things and I go, I don't know how, Lord, you could do that. So I embrace that doubt and say, Lord, but I know that you're able. If you desire to do that, you will accomplish that which you want to do. That which you have destined already to come to pass, it will come to pass. We give birth to faith, the seed that is planted in us. He wants to nurture that faith. He wants to grow up that faith. His word grows in us. His word, as we, as we water it with prayer, his faith is at work within us. He has faith in you. He has planted that seed. Seeing how small it is. Seeing how small what Jesus was talking about. But what it would grow into was what he was really talking about. He says, it's going to grow to be a tree that birds can nest in. See, that's the kind of faith that he's talking about. It's not something we work up or we have to keep saying it over and over again. We have to be, just keep saying this. If I keep saying it enough, it'll happen. No, it's not. It, what it is, it's just simply saying, you know what? I believe, I rest assured, my life is in your hands, God. I, uh, there was a man at Sequoia Dawn that this week, he had to go into surgery. He had been prayed for. He was told he was healed and he went into the doctor and the doctor says, listen, you're not healed. If you, don't, if, you don't get your, if you don't have this surgery, you don't have this open heart surgery, you're going to die in two months. So I went and visited him. He said, Greg, he goes, Greg, I just, I don't know if I, I just, may, is it my faith? Is, is it my lack of faith? I said, no, it's not your lack of faith. I said, do you know where you're going? He goes, oh, yes, I do. I said, are you rest assured no matter what happens that you're gonna be in heaven tomorrow if this would be your last breath? And he goes, I know it without a shadow of a doubt. And this, I, I, I led this man to the Lord. I got to see him come forward and, and give his life to Christ. What I was telling, the, the, the exciting thing I thought was, this is faith in action. It's not God accomplishing everything I say has to happen. It's that, that well that comes within me that says, I trust no matter what happens, this life or the next life to come, I put my faith, my trust in you, God. I know that you are able. And so it doesn't matter what happens to me in this physical realm. If you're only concerned about this physical realm, if you're only concerned, and that's what preachers preach today, we, we give them messages constantly that tell them, listen, here, you know what, you do this and you'll prosper. You do this and everything's going to be fit. I'm going to tell you this morning, it is not going to, it doesn't happen that way. There are times you're going to go through trouble. There are times you're going to go through trials. It is going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. If you serve God, it may be the very hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But I will tell you this. There is a reward that is greater and richer. He said that, listen, no greater love hath God that he would lay down his life for us. He has already done more than sufficiently. If he never did another thing for me, he has done enough. (laughs) 
See, coming into, coming into that divine alignment with the, with the Father, I have crucified my flesh. I have died to myself. I'm walking in the Spirit. Now I can begin to have the mind of Christ. See, there is a divine latitude that happens when we give God the license to reign in our lives, the flexibility, the liberty, the room to maneuver, to keep us on track. He is true north. He is our compass. He, is, he is, gives us our direction. Nothing else. See, that's when faith grows up. That is where faith is developed. It's not sitting around with a bunch of Christians and exaggerating about who we are in the Lord. It is about, it is about living that life on a daily basis in front of the world where you go to work, in front of your family. It's not talking in this church about how big and how great our faith is. It's about when we walk out those doors, how we live our lives in front of people, what we display before them. That is truly where faith is born. We can sit in here and I can tell you, whoo, I've done all these great things. How about this and that? But you know what reality is? When I step out that door, when I have to go face this world, when I got to go face the devil, that's where my faith is wrought, right there. Now, I love coming in here and I love getting together and I love for us all to holler and hoop and yes, yes, it's great. But the truth of the matter is, it is born in that place out there, wherever you may go, wherever you live. It may be at your school. It may be at your work. It may be at your home. It's in all those places. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Word of Christ. Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter. It is here that we hear about Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And in the midst of all these great men and people of faith, those who we look to, that Bible talks about that great cloud of witnesses. In the midst of that, we get this. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, I want you to think about this. This is not even a Jew. This is a prostitute. Let me get this straight. In the midst of our heroes of faith, Moses, Abraham, Noah, we put a harlot. She's a Canaanite. But she made this confession in Joshua 2.11. He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. She understood that Jehovah had given them the city. An encounter with God revealed only by the work of the Holy Spirit. No one else could have given her this foreknowledge. She could not have known it on her own, but she understood. See, transformation often happens through the action that reveals and develops that faith. Faith, not a passive belief, but where we actually step into that place. Rahab was not concerned about herself, but she was concerned about her family. The scarlet cord that went, went from her window represented the blood that one day would sanctify and, and even cleanse the vilest sinner. Her intercession for others. Her faith was not passive. There are three types of faith. There's dead faith. Dead faith is what James talks about. It is any declaration that does not result in a changed life and good works is false declaration. Dead faith is a counterfeit faith and it lulls a person into a false confidence of eternal life. What are you talking about? James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can, can such faith save them? 2.17, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You say you have faith, James says, then let me see it in your life. 
What I, I started this message out was this. If you were on an island and all you had was this book and you came back to America and you saw the church today, would you even, would you even recognize it? Does it look like what this word talks about? How do you know you have dead faith? Your walk doesn't measure up with your talk. Your works don't measure up with your words. There's another kind of faith. You probably never heard of this. Demonic faith. James 2.19 says, You believe there's, a God, there's one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. See, an intellectual faith makes you feel good. First, but truthfully, you will have to receive new life to really know what faith is. Demons believe in God. Demons believe in hell. Some Christians don't do that. Demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. It goes beyond right doctrines and even, to, even that emotional experience. Demonic faith says, yeah, I believe there's a God. And you know what? A lot of, a lot of our world believes that. They accept that. They go, okay, yeah, he is God. But here's there's the faith that we're supposed to have. It goes beyond all that. It is dynamic faith. It, it touches the emotions. It touches the intellect. It changes the will, the whole man. This faith changes us and leads to action. James 2.22, he says, You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. Think about Rahab. This is We're, we're putting... A, 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 a harlot in the midst of the, the honor roll of faith, the men of faith. Why? Because her action. She, she, took, that, she took that next step. Okay, God, you've, you've revealed it to me. Now I have to do something about it. If they would have found out what she was doing in her town, they would have killed her. They would have taken her family. Everyone would have been destroyed. There was a risk involved. There is always a risk involved when you step out in faith. James 2.25 says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? See, Rahab later became the wife of Salmon, the great-great-grandmother of King David. An ancestor of Jesus Christ. Believers can glean from Rahab's life that she was a woman of faith, courage, and love. Her son was Boaz, who married Ruth, father of Obed, father of Jesse, father of David, and eventually the lineage of Jesus. See, there's no more excuses. People sometimes look at us and say, okay, you know what? You used to drink. You used to do drugs. You were, you were, you were out there in the world. Yeah, I understand that. We want an excuse. We want to use that as an excuse to say, okay, well, I'm okay. This is where I'm just at right now. Fine. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you are comfortable with where I was at, I was lost. I was blind. I was deceived. I was foolish. I was stupid. I was ignorant. If you're comfortable with those words describing yourself, then okay, then be comfortable there. I told you I'd offend somebody. I don't know how anybody got out of that one. Rahab was a prostitute. But when change happened in her life, a transformation, a true, genuine, real faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. 
The Weymouth Bible says it like this. Test yourselves to discover whether you are true believers. Put yourselves, own selves under the examination. Or do you not know that Jesus Christ is within you unless you are insincere? insincere. See, on one hand, you could be the enemy of God. A harlot. And have faith that could save you. Or you could be sitting right in church and lack saving faith. Hope for the hopeless, powerful grace that he's given us. This is the dynamic faith that is growing in our lives. It may be small, it may be very tiny, but nurture it, fertilize it, grow it. Do you doubt? That's okay. Do you worry? That's okay. Don't stay there. Move out from the place where God gives, where you can give God that opportunity. The farmers at the very beginning did not have promise for rain, but they planted their seeds anyway. See, that's what God, I'm t- I, can't, I can't tell you. We pray and is everything going to go exactly the way we want? No. But I'll tell you what, do I want to give him that opportunity and plant a seed? That's why all during this morning before his service, you know, people come up to me, this is, Greg, this, I want you to pray for me, but this seems very insignificant. I don't care. That's okay. You know what? Come up here. Let's pray. Let's give God an opportunity. Let's plant a seed. I believe that he, his word says in Ephesians, I believe it's 320, says he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. He desires to do that in our lives this morning. Where's your faith? I'm, I'm going to tell you guys, it's okay. You know what? The, the, young, the young man, he's going back to his story. He survived the surgery. He's doing great. God's working in his life. It was a miracle. I'll tell you what. It's a miracle that they can take your heart out, put it on a table, and put it back in you. If you don't believe that's a miracle, I don't know what you, what you need. That is a miracle. <laughs> exactly. You may, some people came forward last week and said, Greg, I just, I need more faith. You know what? What I want you to do this week is I want you to think about that little speck, that, what, that little, what that little mustard seed looked like on the end of your finger. It's small. But I want you to think if you nurture it, you grow it, you fertilize it, it grows, it's the biggest plant in the garden. Think about that. That's what, that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. Just, we, focus on all, we focus on this, and he said, listen, what I want you to focus on is you, you plant that, and guess what? And you know, it's exciting when that little, boop, little, you know, little green bud pops out. You keep, you keep. We know what that looks like, don't we, Bonnie? She's, she loves it. So we keep, we keep nurturing it. We put a little, and this is what our life looks like spiritually, we get in the word, we pray, we water it, we fertilize it. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Remember I said last week, that word there is the word rhema. It's not the word logos. Remember in John, it says, in the beginning was the word. That's the logos. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Now he says here, he says, in, in, this, in this scripture, in 1019 of Romans, he says, that word is the rhema word. 
It's the spirit breathed, empowered word. It's the same word I said last week that Jesus said when he said that, you know what? The enemy came and tried to tempt him in the desert. And he said, man does not live by rhema, by the word. He, he, does, he, lives, by the, he lives by the word, not by bread alone. That's what God's saying to us today. Listen, you, you sustain yourself on me. You, you sustain yourself on me. I don't want to give you a, 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 a Christianity that is not viable, that cannot be functionable as you walk out these doors. If this is the only place we can be Christians, then you know what? We are fools. But going to truly knowing Christ means that as I walk out that door, that's where I display it. That's where I live it. That's where everybody sees it. This morning as we close...
like last week. I just want to take a couple minutes after the service today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to play this song again. And if there's anybody that just needs prayer this morning, maybe you need to renew that relationship with Christ. We have an altar that's open. I want to make this place open for you. I'm going to ask those, the rest of you, you can consider yourself dismissed if you would just leave quietly. But I want to just make this opportunity right now for those this morning that just... God's calling you. God's tugging at your heart. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe this morning you have known Christ. Maybe he's saying, listen, it's time to get back to me. It's time to get back right with me this morning. If that's the cry and that's the the tugging at your heart, I'm going to ask you to come forward and I'll pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you.